Tired of ads crashing your comedy podcast party? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts, included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or visit amazon.com slash comedy ad free. That's amazon.com slash comedy ad free. And catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And here's your prescription. I know just the pharmacy to get this filled. Who are you? A pharmacy benefit manager. A middleman your insurer uses to decide which medicines you can get, what you pay, and sometimes even which pharmacy you should go to. Why can't I go to a pharmacy in my neighborhood? Because I make more money when you go to a pharmacy I own. <laughs> no one should stand between you and your medicine. Visit phrma.org slash middleman to learn more. Paid for by Pharma. Hey, just before we get started, this is a conspiracy, paranormal, and true crime podcast. The nature of this podcast is gory, unsettling, and definitely vulgar. And we curse a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. So be advised. We're just two idiots with a mic. Through the power of TikTok, we have been given the opportunity to work with families on bringing their loved ones justice. You've heard us cover Lauren Taylor Agee's case with the help of her family, and today we have a new case for you. Erin Knabel reached out to us about her sister, who went missing in August of 2019, Andrea Knabel. Andrea's case has touched us on so many levels for many reasons. Andrea is one of us. She fought to bring missing people home, advocating for families, working in private investigating. She's a mother, a sister, a daughter, a friend, and so much more. Taylor had the amazing opportunity to sit down with Aaron and Mike Knabel, Andrea's sister and father, to discuss Andrea's story and case. For the last month, we have been communicating back and forth, digging for answers, and now we are going to tell you, our listeners, Andrea's story with the help of Aaron and Mike. It's been 1,045 days since they have seen Andrea smile, heard her voice, or hugged the amazing woman they love so dearly. This is the case of Andrea Knabel. Andrea Michelle Knabel was born on January 7, 1982 in Louisville, Kentucky to her mother Cheryl and father Mike. The couple later welcomed two more daughters into their family, Aaron and Sarah, making Andrea the oldest of three, just like me and my sisters. This is Mike, Andrea's father, and he is going to tell us about Andrea growing up. Andrea was um, a delightful baby. It, it's as if she was born happy, uh, rarely cried, very easy from what we were expecting, uh, and, a, and a true joy, easy to fall in love with. She was around 18 months. We, we found out that she was very precocious. She, she knew colors, could count, uh, knew ABCs. And one funny story that proved these things, she, she would name all the establishments that we would drive by in a car. She would go Kmart, Kroger, McDonald's, and uh, knew all those things, um, and then later on, when her sister came, Aaron, both Aaron and Sarah, Andrea, truly served as a second mother, very uh, helpful, loving, empathetic, just, just um, so helpful with, with them and set a great example for them. We, we found out that she was um, very, very good at school, loved, loved her sports too, but I think it was more about friendships and socializing to her, which seemed to come 
very, very easy tour. Andrea graduated from Assumption High School in 2000 and then attended the University of Louisville, where she graduated with a degree in marketing in 2006. She later took a job as an analyst for the health insurance company Humana, based in her hometown of Louisville. Everything was perfect in Andrea's life, especially after she gave birth to her two children, which was her true passion, according to family and friends, motherhood. Andrea would go to the ends of the earth for her babies. Because of her love for family and empathy for others and her amazing communication skills, Andrea began working with a local Missing in America group after one of her own friends went missing in September of 2017. Missing in America, or MIA, is an organization that coordinated nationwide searches for missing individuals starting in the early 2000s. This team worked very closely with law enforcement, search and rescue, and other organizations similar to their own. Members of MIA volunteered for private investigators doing field work, printing, and hanging flyers, working with victims' family members to teach them marketing tools and creating videos to spread awareness about each of these missing individuals. MIA was run by Nancy Schaefer. Nancy claimed that her group had a 98% success rate in recovering missing loved ones. That's an extremely high rate. Right. That's exactly what I was thinking. Um, Currently, MIA is not operating because of some issues that um, we will see come up in this story. Interesting. So Nancy and her team worked countless hours to help these families find their missing loved ones at no cost. When Andrea's friend went missing, she jumped at the chance to join MIA's group, and Nancy Schaefer was thrilled to have her. Nancy started searching for missing individuals 11 years before moving to Kentucky in 2016. MIA was originally founded in New Jersey, where Nancy had lived at the time. She worked as an accountant for years, funding her own investigations and search efforts out of pocket by GoFundMe. GoFundMe campaigns also and paid for by private investigators and also funded by the families of the missing individuals. In 2014, she left her desk job to go full time in the investigation field and helping families. But in 2016, she lost everything. She couldn't make her rent. She had to sell all of her belongings and was offered to stay with a mother of a missing girl that she was searching for in Louisville. But this wasn't new for Nancy. She had gone through this multiple times and families of the loved ones that she was helping out were helping her out in turn. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So once there, she met Andrea and she began building her Louisville team. Pretty early on, the relationship between Andrea and Nancy Andrea actually allowed Nancy to move in with her at her apartment, and Nancy lived in her living room as they expanded the MIA team and started picking up more and more cases. Andrea has amazing investigative skills, personal skills, and communication skills. She never met a stranger, and according to Nancy, this made people extremely trusting of Andrea. She could get information out of people that law enforcement and other agencies would never even be presented the opportunity to even speak with these people. Wow. Yeah, she is amazing in this role. And because of her success with MIA, it led her to working on some major cases. Andrea's strong, smart, and determined, and she fought for these missing individuals and their families, all the while still working her full-time job as an analyst, working other odd jobs in between, not to mention still being the best mother to her babies. Holy shit, I forgot 
literally yeah she's doing all this and still being a mom being a bomb ass mom like craziness go andrea nancy and andrea became best friends in fact andrea was actually nancy's maid of honor in her wedding oh they were besties like they became besties but to be completely honest like even though they were besties and nancy does talk about them as if they were besties i don't know like what that relationship was it might have been more of like a work wife type of situation you okay, know what I mean so like the dynamic was not so best friend vibe it it was but Andrea's best friend and everybody knew Andrea's best friend is this girl named Amber who we will talk about later on okay after Andrea began volunteering with MIA in 2017 she also began dating a 34 year old car detailer named Brian Downey and Andrea and Brian were actually friends in high school, and I think they might have dated for a little bit in high school, actually. But he had had a troubling past that Andrea believed he could overcome and she could help him. And Andrea enjoyed his sense of humor, his outgoing personality. And when Andrea reconnected with Brian, he offered to help her move. And that's how this sparked up again. Okay. Okay. So Downey was a recovering addict. He is a father of three, and he had a lengthy arrest record for drugs, public nudity, and burglar burglarly bur- burglary. Bur- you know, I can never say that word burglary. Mm-hmm. Um, but Andrea saw the good in him, and he was recovering. He was ready to change his life. When Andrea's family was introduced, well, reintroduced to Brian at Christmas in 2017, he was open and very honest about his life journey and path. And this was concerning, but he had it all together. He was ready to settle down and make up for the time that he had lost in his addiction. But after a few months of dating and getting to see the real Brian come forward, Andrea's family realized that that was not the case. But Andrea loved him deeply. Despite the jealousy, drugs, and abusive tendencies, she felt like she could get him back on track. And it was kind of like a fixer-upper. Like, we all have friends. Yeah. Yeah. We all have friends that are fixers. And she just wasn't realizing in this moment that while he was spiraling, she was getting drug along with this. In the spring of 2018, Brian actually proposed to Andrea and she said yes. This was very concerning to everyone around her. They knew Brian was bad for Andrea and she just couldn't see it. She wanted to see the good in him and wanted to help him get better no matter what. On July 6, 2018, Brian was pulled over by the Louisville Metropolitan Police Department LMPD and when they searched his car, they discover more than two grams of meth warranting a drug trafficking charge, ultimately sending him to prison. Andrea's family and friends were hopeful that this would be the thing that put Andrea back on track and got her away from these people that she had been surrounding herself with since getting with Brian and some other friend groups. Oh, he pulled her in. Mm-hmm. Also, it didn't help that the people within her MIA group were supportive of this relationship Relationship. so you kind of see like why I I was iffy about the work wife best friend situation okay it's clicking yeah it, it kind of starts falling into place as we go so around this time it's now late 2018 Andrea lost her job as an analyst with Humana after the company had a massive nationwide layoff and this impacted 2,700 
of their employees. Holy crap. Being a single mother of two was hard enough. And this was a massive life change that nobody saw coming. Yeah. So what do we know about bad things? They typically come come in threes. So in January of 2019, Andrea's car broke down on the highway and she and her kids were basically abandoned on the shoulder. So they had to abandon the car and they got a ride home. And the next morning when she returned to the car, she discovered that it had been hit by a snowplow and ran off of the road into a ditch and it was totaled. I mean, the snowplow just didn't see it. <laughs> I guess not. And they never, like, left a note, nothing. I mean, it was a wreck. It's literally a state vehicle. Yes. Like, how dare they? And not long after this, Andrea was struggling to make her rent. So she decided that she was going to move her and her kids in with her mother, Cheryl. This financial burden being lifted of rent was able, she was able to finally get another car. It was broken down like shortly after because it had been a used car. But she was doing the best that she could. And Missing in America began falling apart at this time because Nancy moved to Pennsylvania. But it was mainly after this massive disagreement between the members and Nancy And most of them in interviews and on Facebook posts will discuss the fact that Nancy was extremely abusive to them. Are you serious? Yeah. And I don't know like in what way, but like I did read that she was verbally abusing them, like shoving them, like getting into like altercations. What the it's like one thing after another life is hard already being a single mama and then adding this stress to anybody's life would be absolutely damaging and it just so didn't help that the group she was surrounded with friends wise were just not the best andrea was a giving friend and these people were taking advantage of her they were literally stealing from her hurting her lying to her like detrimental things stealing like a tv from her that's so fucked up (laughs) andrea was doing her best to just keep it all together applying for jobs working odd jobs providing for her babies getting rides to see her children who were staying with their fathers at this point while fixing her life searching for missing loved ones keeping that bright smile on her face but it was just too much and andrea despite how hard she tried was on this spiral Andrea's family was worried about her and she seemed to be struggling with clarity. She was having mood swings, being irrational at some points. They didn't know what she was battling. Was it drugs, mental illness, severe anxiety? But they just didn't care. They wanted to help her. It didn't matter. When she moved in with her mother, it became a lot more evident just how bad she was going through it because they were seeing her every day. Yeah. And they were doing anything that they could that she was willing to accept, even offering to pay for rehab, like saying, like, you don't even have to tell us what you're battling. But if it's rehab that you need, we've got it for you. Her mother was going to appointments with her, with psychiatrists, doctors, whatever, just trying to get her to follow doctor's orders. They were scared and they were just doing their best to help her. Erin is now going to talk with us about Andrea's life at this point in time and what it looked like from the outside looking in. Andrea was working very hard to get back on her feet. She was looking for car parts to repair her car, applying for jobs. She actually had calls back for interviews on her voicemail that we discovered, but she also had some issues that were kind of holding her back and delaying her progress that we were working with her on fixing. So as I've stated multiple times throughout this, she moved in with her mother, Cheryl, after losing her apartment. But 
Also living there was her youngest sister, Sarah, and Sarah's fiance, Ethan. Ethan and Sarah had left their home in Lexington, where they had lived for like over a decade at this point, to renovate the house for Cheryl, their mother, because there were no usable bathrooms. And Andrea, Aaron, and Sarah's mother, Cheryl, was staying with friends and, and family at night, just coming over often to have dinner, visits, and see the progress being made. Erin had just moved into a home a few streets away, less than 20, a 20 minute walk from her sisters. And she had been recently divorced and was just living there to rebuild her life and start over. Mike and Cheryl, the girl's parents, had separated years before. So Mike was living about 20 miles across town, but he would see them often. On August 12th, 2019, after Cheryl, Andrea's mother, got off of work, she stopped by her house to visit and brought some Chinese takeout for her, Sarah, Ethan, and Andrea to all have together. That night, both of Andrea's children were staying with their fathers at their houses, and during the dinner, an argument broke out between their mother and Andrea about Andrea's life choices and this sore that was on Andrea's cheek that just seemed to be getting worse and worse, like having a hard time healing. Mm. Sarah took her mother's side on this argument, stating that Andrea needed to listen to her mom. And Andrea felt like she was being cornered. And she decides to go up to her room instead of eating dinner. She was already having a rough enough time as it was and just needed a chill night. So this was infuriating for her. And a short while later, she returned to the kitchen and she asked Ethan for a ride to the hospital because she wanted to get that scratch checked out on her face. Andrea's mother, Cheryl, had a gift card for a lift, and she told Ethan that if he would take Andrea to the hospital and drop her off, Andrea could use this gift card to get a ride home, and they agreed on this. On their way to the University of Louisville's uh, Health Medical Center on Dutchman's Lane, Ethan went through a McDonald's to get Andrea some food because she had only had a few bites of her dinner before going upstairs to cool down from that argument. A little after 11 p.m. that night, Andrea took a lift back home where she arrived, and the doors were locked. She didn't have a key to get in, as the locks had recently been changed during the renovations. Either way, she's locked out of this house, and she doesn't have a key to get in. It's only 11 o'clock, so she's assuming her sister and her sister's fiancé are awake. So she's, like, banging on the door, trying to get in. No one's answering. Yeah, like, no one's answering. So either she gets her a car the lift to drop her off at Aaron her sister's house that's the 20 minute walk away or she walks the 20 minutes but either way she arrives at Aaron's a little after 11:30 p.m. At this time, Aaron and her really close friend, Michelle, who just lived a few doors down, they were sitting on Aaron's front porch, just drinking some wine, having some girl talk while Aaron's kids were watching TV and uh, sleeping in the living room because their rooms were being renovated in the upstairs since Aaron had just moved in. Aaron and Michelle see Andrea walking pretty quickly towards Aaron's porch, visibly upset as she's coming towards them. And she kind of is like... Aaron, where's your phone at? I've been calling and texting you. Aaron's like, oh my God, it's been sitting over here. I'm sorry. We've just been talking. I wasn't paying attention. And she begins telling Aaron about this argument after dinner. And then after she got out of her lift and tried to play with that gift card that her mom gave her, the card was like declining. It wasn't working. So then she had to put that lift ride on her own personal card, which she really didn't want to do because of how tight money was at this point. And then being locked out of the house was the cherry on top. She began ranting like more and more and the more she went the louder she was getting because she was getting more and more upset just reliving this and she was a loud person. I feel that. She's me and you. Andrea is a very loud person in general and very animated just like us when she speaks. So her frustration was just projecting her voice even more. But because 
Erin had just moved in literally days before. She hadn't got to know her neighbors yet, so she was really trying her best to just calm Andrea down so the neighbors wouldn't get angry because of the noise, and it was late at night, and she didn't want to get a complaint because if you got, like, a, she's talking about, like, this neighborhood. She's like, if you get, like, a complaint in this neighborhood, they straight up kick you out. Damn. But at the same time, Aaron wanted Andrea to feel heard. So Andrea finishes her rant and understood where Aaron was coming from by being like, hey, I need you to quiet down. Can you you want to go inside and like cool off? So she agrees. She goes inside and she uses the restroom. She flat, splashes some water on her face and sits down on the floor in the AC. The kids were like hanging out on the couch. So she was just sitting with her nieces and nephews. And it was pretty warm outside, too, on top of all of this. And AC was only in half of the house because of the renovation. So this probably felt great after I can imagine laying on a cold floor (laughs) right right now in the on the tile me literally during the time that Andrea was inside Aaron's home Aaron was communicating with her father Mike about the situation and they were also concerned for Andrea at this time as we have said before because of how she was spending her free time why things just kept getting worse and worse and never better her concentration the people that she was surrounding herself with at such a low point meaning how are you supposed to pull yourself out of a rut and get yourself the help that you need when you're surrounding yourself with people who are negative and want to bring you down with them everyone approached Andrea with love open arms understanding that this was a sensitive time but most of the consequences of Andrea's actions were affecting their mother and Sarah more because Andrea Andrea was living with them. So they often had to be the ones giving Andrea the hard truths. However, they always made up. Their mom, Cheryl, had been consulting with a medical health professional and a rehab clinic about what they should do for Andrea. And the only advice that these clinics and professionals could give them was that they had to set boundaries for themselves and wait for Andrea to be ready, willing, and want the help. Aaron and Mike and Cheryl on two separate phone calls discussed what Aaron should do in this situation as Andrea was in the house and they decided that Aaron would take Andrea back to Cheryl's house for the night with Sarah and Ethan because it just wasn't smart for Aaron to allow Andrea to stay at her house not because she didn't want her sister there but because Aaron worked the next day. And her kids were going to school and Andrea didn't have a car. And because Andrea would sleep in likely like she typically did, she would end up being at Aaron's all day. And this made Aaron nervous because of the people that Andrea would probably invite over or ask to come pick her up. They weren't a great crowd and Aaron had just moved in and her home is her sanctuary and it's her safe place for her and her kids. So she does have the ability to set that boundary if that's what she wants for herself. Absolutely. And if these people that Andrea were calling her friends had no issue straight up stealing from their friend, then what what would stop them from stealing from Aaron's? You know, so Aaron then calls her mother and is basically being like, why are the doors locked and upset that Andrea was unable to get to her own bed, especially after everything had Andrea had gone through that day specifically. It was just very upsetting and triggering for Andrea to feel like she didn't have her own space in her own sanctuary. So Cheryl was like, OK, you just put Andrea in the car and take her home and I'll get a hold of Sarah and figure out what the situation is. So Aaron takes Andrea home and Michelle was watching Aaron's kids as she did this. And then Aaron returns home a few minutes later. Michelle left to go home and Aaron went to sleep on the couch with her kids. At around 1.30 a.m., which is now the early morning hours of August 13th, 2019, Aaron is woken to the sound of someone banging on her back door. 
She jumps up and goes over to the door, the back door, where she finds Andrea outside crying very loudly, upset, saying that no one would let her into the house and that she had to walk back to Aaron's. And this is stressing Aaron out because she's trying to calm her down to be quiet because the kids are sleeping and it's late. She didn't want to disturb the neighbors. So Aaron ends up telling Andrea, hey, like, you need to go home. And she was woken out of the sleep in a panic. Could you yeah. be, imagine being woken up out of dead sleep? No. To this. Like, no. I, it, it was just concerning overall. So Aaron ends up calling Mike because Andrea's not coming down. And this was at 1.38 a.m. So she explains the situation and they both tell Andrea over speakerphone, you need to go home and stop. And I'm sure looking back, like, this is something that they massively regret. In fact, I know it is. I've, I've had this conversation with them. But they just closed the door. And Aaron watches as Andrea walks to the street and she's texting on her phone, calling people. She had appeared to like calm down just a bit enough to like get herself back together. And they're just heartbroken to see Andrea this way. But at some point you have to, when you have loved ones in this position, you have to step away and protect yourself. And you can only offer someone so much help, so much advice, but if they don't want it or they aren't ready for it, it doesn't matter. All of this described was a common occurrence and with all of them working normal jobs it was physically and emotionally draining for them and they were doing everything that they could but it just wasn't working right and they were told to set those boundaries and that's what they were doing and you never think that the first time you set boundaries with the person that you love in your family the tragedy for yourself like something crazy is gonna happen yeah you have no like it it just feels like a one in a million chance andrea canable was 37 years old at this time and this was the last time andrea canable was ever seen or heard from Family members tried contacting Andrea for several days after this night, messaging back and forth with each other, assuming that she had gone to stay with her best friend, Amber. That is what Andrea would typically do if she needed space from her family. Aaron called and texted all of her close friends and even extended family members that they didn't even talk to that often. She was even talking to like acquaintances of Andrea's, just trying to get a hold of Andrea. But Amber was the only one who wasn't answering. And... When Amber finally got back to Aaron on August 17th, saying that they hadn't spoke in a week, Aaron immediately panicked. She knew something was wrong. So Mike and Aaron decided that they were going to file a missing persons report and began publicly stating that Andrea was missing and they needed help. Aaron called LMPD and officially reported her missing. LMPD's missing persons division picked up this case pretty quickly, and they put four detectives within that division on Andrea's case because they knew Andrea. They had worked with her on missing persons cases. Nancy, who was living in Pennsylvania at the time of Andrea's disappearance, came back to Louisville with Tracy Leonard, who is ends up being the lead private investigator, paying for Nancy's car, gas money, hotel room, and giving her a weekly check to help find Andrea for four whole months. Wow. MIA was reinstated in order to search for their friend and their partner. Friends, family, police, and volunteers began hang- hanging flyers, hosting vigils, collecting leads, and doing the field searches for Andrea, visiting places that she was known to frequent or her friends were known to frequent, and even acquaintances of Andrea's were known to lay low at. Like they were going all the way. Yeah. Erin shared her missing posters in groups all over social media, often targeting people like in areas of possible sightings that had come in. And she shared like 75 posts a day, creating a media blitz, which is what MIA was teaching. 
Aaron and Mike were contacting local news stations, doing interviews with anybody that they could, just trying to get the public's help. LMPD performed canine searches around the areas that Andrea was last thought to be or where possible sightings were leading them, but all of these leads were dead ends. And after going through Andrea's devices, Tracy Leonard, the lead PI on the case, found that when Andrea left errands that night, she began using Facebook Messenger to get a hold of people to see if someone would come pick her up and give her a ride home as she's, or give her a ride anywhere, basically, as she was walking home. And she was calling on there, texting on there. And phone records showed that Andrea made it back to her mother's house by 1.58 a.m., And there are very mixed accounts between Sarah and Ethan on why they didn't answer the door. But I do want to take a second to discuss this area that Andrea was staying in, her childhood home. This home was located in Audubon, I think is how you pronounce it, Park, Audubon Park. And this is a suburb of Louisville, and it's considered to be Louisville's safest area. Audubon is a country club, like golf course scene with beautiful dogwoods, perfect grass, clean streets, and it's actually a bird sanctuary. And they even have their own police force. So Andrea's phone was active at her mother's house until 2.50 to 3 a.m., and then it's turned off. This later turns back on at 6.31 a.m., but it wasn't on long enough to get a signal and ping off of a location tower. In December of 2021, Tracy Leonard reviewed all of this information and concluded that Andrea was at her mother's home for about 10 minutes and left, instead of being there for hours as police originally thought. Police updated their report to reflect on this new information, and it was because of a massive overlook in the Google dashboard up until this point. So this was like a massive break. And they also found that Andrea had a few different Facebook pages, actually, that would reflect different sides of her life, but also they were important for her work with MIA. From the jump, the private investigative group that was working pro bono with the Canables to find Andrea was called the Locators, and that is Tracy Leonard's group. And Tracy Leonard was a small arms and artillery, thank you, um, (laughs) expert veteran who had been working as a PI since leaving the military in 1994. Tracy and his team jumped on Andrea's case and never looked back, going above and beyond for Andrea because to them, she was family. Since 2016, Tracy had been working with MIA, and when Andrea joined MIA, she began volunteering with the locators as well, helping to solve major cases with their team. It seemed like no matter what these PIs, groups, or the LMPD did, there were just no clues as to where Andrea was. And the majority of the leads that came in were anonymous and extremely vague. At this point, Nancy Schaefer, so the leader of MIA, she had had enough of these dead ends. And she reaches out to Lakewood, Colorado's retired homicide detective, Joe Fanciulli, in December of 2019. Fanciulli is quoted saying that in 50 years, this was the most complicated case that he had ever ever worked on before. Fanchuli is a very interesting character and we're going to talk a lot more about him in the theories section mainly. Okay Joe. Because dude the second he comes in 
it's like he's all over the news like he's the spokesperson oh he's the star of the show he's yeah. the face of the case and he goes on the dr phil show with aaron and mike and he goes on with nancy and they're like separated and you know how dr phil's show is it's like yeah. so dramatic and he's up there and he's just like talking mad shit like not even gonna lie he's straight up talking shit on who on like andrea and her life and even like hinting talking shit about Mike and Aaron who have literally coordinated the entire search for their sister and daughter of course and they're just it's just a odd character so I'm not really going to discuss a lot about him in this area because I just don't feel like he did anything <laughs> for anybody in this yeah, situation he came in he wanted to be the face of the case so like he wanted to be the face of the case segment yeah of, on this special of yeah Andrea. we're not doing that so LMPD's forensics team and Tracy Leonard with the locators along with many volunteers including dogs extensively searched through Andrea's mother's home and this is where Ethan and Sarah were staying at the time in the last known place that Andrea was however there was no forensic evidence regular evidence evidence in general that was discovered but recent developments in this case show extreme changes in the original timeline and new locations within the area that her phone was last active Uh so these massive breaks in the case are coming soon and hopefully they can help tell this story a little better family and friends have every reason to believe that Andrea was taken away from her life the media tv shows private investigators and armchair detectives on all platforms have been heavily invested in Andrea's case from the beginning and producing theory after theory about what could have possibly happened to Andrea that night So I'm now going to walk you through some of the main theories that have been brought to the forefront of this case. But I do want to remind you before I go into these, these are just theories. I'm not coming up with them on my own. They exist already. It's not defamation. T-H-E-O-R-I-E-S. Yes. Theories. Theories. So number one is an altercation at the home. Some of the biggest holes in Andrea's case surround her mother's home, as well as Sarah and Ethan's account from that night. Some people speculate that there was an argument between Sarah, Ethan, and Andrea that night that possibly could have escalated turning physical, which mainly stems from the couple allegedly changing their story multiple times. Originally stating we didn't hear Andrea banging on the door to be let in that night to Ethan saying, well, actually, I heard her, but I was just setting boundaries. And then when Andrea went missing, Every family member had been interviewed by police on a few occasions, and still to this day, they're still being interviewed. Sarah and Ethan were very cooperative in the beginning. They did about two interviews, but then they decided they needed to step away, and they decided to move back to Lexington, their home that they had lived in for a decade before this, because the attention that was being drawn to their family. Andrea's disappearance has really strained this family, just like it would anybody's, and It is normal for some to want to stay away in situations like this. And there are many reasonable explanations for family members of missing individuals to do this. Like, number one, all of your dirty laundry is out there. It's being smeared for everyone to see. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And people who you called friends are, like, turning on you for their 15 seconds of fame. 
Yeah. And it can be extremely triggering for these family members to have to relive the night that their loved one went missing. And some are more just capable than others. Lastly, there's a massive lack of trust with law enforcement especially around this time which I'm going to get to here in a second it was known that Sarah and Andrea disagreed often and neighbors claimed that the two would argue weekly but never to the point of physical violence some allege that the biggest fight the two had had were in the months before Andrea went missing and it was actually over Ethan really allegedly okay like this has never been confirmed by anybody this is just one of the biggest little talking points but allegedly Sarah felt that Andrea was flirting with Ethan her fiance and didn't like it and she called her sister out on this and the two went back and forth but also others say that the locks were changed being changed had nothing to do with renovations because they were only supposed to be renovating bathrooms but it was more about Andrea's concerning behavior that hinted at a possible addiction and friends that she was surrounding herself right that's with. what I was kind of wondering maybe they were changing the locks because they were getting robbed right and again none of this is confirmed fact hardcore evidence these but instances they... are on the grounds of theories yeah and on on that theory like why would they change the locks like they didn't know that Andrew was going to be like hey I'm I'm going to go to the hospital tonight I am going to get my face looked at right like, they didn't know that she was going to do that right it's you not like they would have I mean? changed it in the five minutes that it took like first off police would have been able to see that purchase right it had happened weeks before that this ever even arose right like they didn't even know this is an argument was going to break out this night yeah but this theory did get some legs actually when a member of MIA who was very close with Andrea and does really help with the family still to today was searching through Andrea's mother's house her name is Diane and she's the psychic medium for MIA she claims that as she was walking up the stairs in the home towards Andrea's room she felt as if she had been hit in the back of the head with a large object Diane continues saying that when she entered Andrea's room after having this sensation, there was a giant hole in the wall and she felt as if Andrea had been pushed forcefully through this wall. But let's break this theory apart, okay? Whoa. When police searched the home, they never found any sign of a severe struggle, a hole in the wall. I mean, they had a full forensic team right. in they there. Would have, they would have saw They that. would have seen this. And the majority of these alleged arguments and instances between Sarah, Andrea, Ethan were really hearsay. Like, I fight with my sisters every single day. If my neighbors came forward and were like... <laughs> You right, know. and if I put my sister through the wall, like, that's not rare. Yeah, that, that I would... Actually, I mean, if my sister put me through the wall. Yeah, actually, rare. let's rephrase it. Sorry, Marley. Sorry, Marley. Sorry, Marley. And I believe that Diane may have been a little too close. Mm-hmm. And it was clouding her judgment and her abilities, her gifts. And this is why surgeons aren't allowed to operate on their own family. Like, you just... Ha- you can't be too close to a case. Right. Not to Cloud mention... judgment. Right. Not to mention, Diane's account on her feelings that day changed from a hole to a crack to a plastered up wall. And yeah, there were renovations being done in this home, specifically on the master bathroom, which shared that same wall with Andrea's room. Okay. So, you know, there could have been a hole in the wall from there. But as I stated before, there are many reasons why family members would need to have space during an investigation. Does it look great? Fuck no, it doesn't look great at all. But after reading more about this theory, I wonder if there was someone else in the home 
Like, Andrew was sitting outside calling and messaging people, trying to get in the house, trying to get a ride to a place to crash. She was vulnerable. She was desperate, which could have led her to letting her guard down Mm -hmm. and contacting someone who she typically wouldn't that might have bad intentions. Yeah. And maybe they used this opportunity to harm Andrea by waiting at the house for her to return, knowing that she was on her way there, offering her a ride and harming her, which leads us to theory number two. Maybe a case that Andrea was working with MIA or the locators had turned sour. Yep. Andrea worked with Missing in America and the locators on many cases over the years, and some of which that were dangerous and, you know, had some field work involved. But when it came to Tracy Leonard and the locators, he didn't allow volunteers to do anything more than social media and online investigations. There was a case that Andrea was heavily involved with, and she actually made a massive discovery that led police to be able to locate this girl that had been kidnapped by her crush. And they found this girl chained to a radiator in this dude's basement and police were able to rescue her who later determined that the girl was actually about to be trafficked by the family she had been abducted by holy shit andrea's discovery broke this case wide open and was something that she was praised for it was publicly known that she broke this case like straight up got into the girl's locker at her school and like found the dude's name on a piece of paper And that's what led them to searching his home. Like the massive, massive break. And this could have made her a target for this trafficking situation. Another case, there was a man that was in his 20s whose car was found after abandoning it on his way home from Bonnaroo. By the way, Bonnaroo is going on right now. Hey, Bonnaroo. Andrea and the MIA team searched the area extensively, looking for any signs of this man or his belongings. And search crews eventually discovered the man's remains in the area that MIA had led them to. The man had died of a gunshot wound, and the authorities thought it to be self-inflicted, ruling his death a suicide. But Andrea felt that there was more to this. So she began fighting, advocating for this man and his family, pushing for police to dig deeper into this with what she had found. Investigators finally listened to her and later announced in May of 2019 that after furthering their investigation, the man's death was being criminally investigated because of signs of foul play. This might have pissed someone off within law enforcement and whoever was involved in this guy's death. Again, possibly making Andrea a target since this case took place in her own state. Yeah. And she was stalked and she was watched that night and mm-hmm. she was vulnerable. She was vulnerable. Like, that was just a time that she had her guard down. Yeah. And these cases and MIA's involvement were heavily publicized because at the time, Nancy had hired Diane Stumpf, I think is how you pronounce their name, who was a former producer and camera operator to film these investigations with a film crew, which Nancy later sent to Randy Tatt, a producer, in hopes of getting a reality show for MIA. Which is going to lead us to Nancy now. And I've been waiting for this one. Turn it up. Some people theorize, specifically a woman named Melissa Ellen on her YouTube channel, um, which is called True Crime History, that Nancy set up people to go missing so that her team could, quote, track this person down and be the heroes, gaining more traction for the TV show that she desperately wanted, giving her that 98% success rate. 
The theory is Nancy, knowing the state that Andrea was in, used this to take advantage and convince Andrea to disappear so that they could track her down. I'm going to go ahead and shut this this little part down because I think that's just some horseshit and nothing that Andrea would be capable of doing, especially in the state that she was in. But there's more to this theory and more to Nancy that I do want to discuss because these theories about Nancy caused some major divide between Andrea's friends and family and Nancy. And this led to some awful things happening out of spite. Nancy created a Facebook page for Andrea's search and originally it was good. It was called Justice for Andrea Knabel. And you're thinking like, oh wow, like she she was doing a good job. She was being involved. But she ran this group with anything but the values and cadence of what needed to be there. Literally the opposite of what Missing in America was about. And she was using this extremely accusatory tone in every single post. She she was literally encouraging rumors and attacking Andrea's family, promoting drama and damaging rumors that could easily hurt Andrea's case. Some of MIA's members and friends of Andrea's were so disgusted by Nancy and her actions that two months after Andrea went missing, they completely left the reinstated MIA again. Wow. So one was quoted saying that in Nancy's eyes, quote, it was never about Andrea. It was all about fame, money, and attention. What can I get out of this? Yeah, that's what like Nancy's view on this was. Nancy responds to this quote by telling Mark Opria, who was a writer for the missing persons investigator who went missing herself, um, says, quote, I'm a good person who's made sacrifices for this cause, but I need to protect myself. No, Nancy, what you're doing is you're making this about you. Yeah, Nancy, like this is just not the time. But lastly, about Nancy, let's talk about Fanchuli and Nancy. So I told you like they were on the Dr. Phil together, but they were also on this IDs channel miniseries about Andrea and they're involved in this. But what's really interesting is a month after the two began, like, searching for Andrea, they started dating. Really? And moved into Joe's house in Florida together. I don't have much more to say about Nancy because I just don't think it would all be kind. And it just seems so odd to me. And after watching all these interviews with Fanchuli, I just get bad vibes, mainly because of just how determined he was to share these rumors and give up information that he was straight up not privy to. Basically, Joe scammed the family. He told them that he was going to find Andrea no matter what it took, and he was using their desperation to straight up exploit them, giving information that was given to him by the family that police were telling the family against them. Like to create these rumors and he was acting like he was figuring it all out on his own like he was this world renowned homicide investigator but but in reality they were giving yeah he was just repeating what was told to him and acting like he was giving this like groundbreaking shit wow yeah so you see like Nancy and Joe like I just don't feel like their best intentions were for Andrea no so the final theory is connections with drugs and this one is really crazy this theory is going to lead us to some mysterious happenings that occurred after Andrea went missing 
So as we discussed earlier, Brian Downey, Andrea's boyfriend slash fiance, who was later arrested, sent to prison on drug trafficking charges, introduced Andrea to a dangerous world. And groups of individuals that were just her friends by association through Brian. One of Brian's friends alleged that in order to make money after losing her job, Brian helped Andrea to get into meth dealing. Explaining that she had fallen into an addiction through this and might have paid someone off with counterfeit money from taking the drug she was supposed to be selling. But there are no solid leads that have come from this theory. Despite this, there seems to be parts of it that are extremely real. Like when Brian Downey was asked to be on the investigation discovery series Finding Andrea, Brian was extremely against it. And he was against having anything to do with Andrea's case. Number one, not for reasons that you would think he would, but instead because he was scared. It was no secret that details about Andrea's disappearance were being withheld from people and are still being withheld from people that she was hanging around with at the time. Not to mention the countless warnings from outsiders literally telling her family to stay away from this case. No one was quite sure on exactly what it is that Brian knew when it came to Andrea's disappearance, possibly the connections he had with local drug dealings. But one thing was for sure, he wanted nothing to do with it. So this investigation discovery series went out. It was a four-part docuseries um, on Andrea's case, and it released in October of 2021. And on January 28th, 2022, Brian Downey died. What? Trigger warning before I get into this. Brian was seen falling off of a bridge backwards, caught on camera. First responders came to the call and Brian passed away after a few days of being in the hospital. Some believe that he jumped, but most people believe that he was pushed. What? Another thing that happened is the FBI actually had to get involved but it's not having to do with Andrea's case specifically it had more to do with an officer that was working her case William John uh, Schlute I think as you pronounce it he was placed under investigation for many instances of abusing women drunk driving abusive power and threatening individuals but on top of all of that what's even more concerning is that he was not even with LMPD he was with Audubon Park's private police force which I just kind of mentioned earlier and technically this is their jurisdiction because that's where Andrea went missing it was only I don't know at what point I should have asked that question at what point was it like handed over was there like an issue with the jurisdiction change Um, but not only is an Audubon Park police officer being investigated by the FBI but we have everything that's going on with LMPD so we have this one person that's a a person that's technically a neighbor of Andrea because you like live in the area right and let's say he's either not on parole or or he's on parole or he's just off like off and maybe he gets the call which they didn't send in the call until a few days later but the the issue for me is Audubon Park police force is going to have some say about what LMPD can do in their area Right. So if this is like a pack of dirty cops, which I'm not alleging, like I'm not like accusing of that, but I am making sure to bring that up because if one's being investigated, then the other is someone's else being investigated. But even if he wasn't, you know, 
even though they if they didn't make that call till later mm-hmm. on, if there was a police officer seeing this girl mm-hmm. in the middle of the night, right? Like that's gonna he's gonna pull over, right? So like, what if he was the only one? Like, what if he was on parole, or what mm-hmm. if he wasn't? Either way, and he heard something, he heard something, he saw something, yeah. but he's not gonna talk about it because he's scared to put his ass out there, right? Especially if that's it's as big point. and scary as all these other people are talking about. Yeah, and again, if this is not even with LMPD, these are the both of these police departments that are handling Andrea's case, Audubon Park and LMPD, are both under fire at this point. We've got LMPD with Brianna Taylor, and we've got Audubon Park with this dirty ass motherfucker. Yep. So that's very concerning. Yeah, where was he last night or yeah. that night? Like, where were you? That's the question, right? And is it required now for all? police departments to have like body cams and i think now it is i wonder if it was in 2019 i think that kind of what became it was the blm movement that that really pushed for for body cams man i wonder if um fbi is kind of feeling out this side of it oh for sure but no one would ever fucking know right but we're putting you on blast so you better so come out with it (laughs) yeah and then on top of all of this there's literally an entire vice article about the investigation into the M- uh, lmpd's misconduct oh my god and also okay this is 2019 almost 2020 that this is going on what's going on in louisville the brianna taylor case yep holy shit. so it's ju- it's just worse and worse so like this this entire investigation is absolutely crowded by the lmpd fucking up by these people who are not really in- acting like they're andrea's friends not really in it for the good reason so basically this case could have been developed a lot more but didn't have time to grow oh my god yeah so let's talk about some valuable leads in this case so despite all these curveballs these deaths these sudden deaths these threats and let down after let down andrea's family continues to fight for her learning to roll with these punches insensitive comments rumors and just the pain they see through every single lead and tip that is sent in i'm talking every single one they do the field work and no one else will even the ones that are soul-crushing to hear. In August of 2021, Tracy Leonard, the lead PI on Andrea's case, and his brother Ted were driving home from working a case when they got a phone call. On the other line was this woman who we're going to call Megan for her protection. And she tells the brothers that she was with Andrea the night she went missing. What? The two continued listening, but this was nothing new. People would call in all the time, just wanting the reward for finding Andrea and giving just like bogus tips. But the woman on the other line was different. She was in pain. She wanted nothing to do with a reward at all, but she just wanted to get this off of her chest. They could tell that by the tone of her voice, this was serious. So trigger warning before I continue, this is pretty graphic and rough to hear. Megan told the men that Andrea had been picked up by a gang of men and they drove her with, along with Megan who was in the car, to this house that was 15 minutes away from where they picked her up at, which we're assuming to be her mother's home. Megan was being held captive by these men and there were other women who were also there being held against their will. Megan was frantic on the phone, like sobbing, saying, I tried to stop it. I tried. I just couldn't. I couldn't. 
And then she describes in detail how Andrea was, trigger warning, repeatedly raped by these men before being tortured and ultimately killed. Megan says that she was able to get out and run from this house to safety, but Andrea couldn't. And there were several other more women who had been left behind when she escaped. Mike and Aaron heard this. They recorded the call and gave it to them. It was fucking crushing, mind-altering. Their biggest fear, it was haunting them. It still does. They reported this tip immediately to the FBI, and they haven't heard much since. It was actually given back to police, and they claim that there's just not enough evidence because Megan claims to have, like, a pic and a video of Andrea, but later when, like, asked for it she couldn't provide it or maybe wouldn't there's just some odd things with this Megan girl but it seems as if every lead sparks this fire that just slowly sizzles out with no resolution or closure in Andrea's case and it's frustrating it's draining it's hard like it's you feel like you finally got something and then there's nothing at all it rips your soul yeah And little by little, these different stories and crucial pieces to Andrea's case are actually coming to light through these bogus tips because people are beginning to chat. And through this, it seems like if nothing, it's at least something. These little murmurs and chatters will be the thing that pieces Andrea's case together. And lead investigators are going to use this to find Andrea. People have contacted Aaron and Mike telling them to, quote, let it go. Stop searching. It's too dangerous. Stay away. Protect yourself. Protect your family. Andrea is dead. Aaron responds to this by saying, Andrea is my family. If you have any information that could help us find Andrea, please call the police at 502-574-7120. That's the missing persons unit. You can also call Tracy Leonard, our private investigator, at 502-618-9337. For anyone that wants to make a difference and help us find Andrea Knable, you can join Andrea's Angels. That's a group chat that I set up for all volunteers so you can keep up with volunteer opportunities like searches, hanging missing posters. You can also volunteer from completely from your phone if you're not local. So say you're a graphic designer, uh, you can use that skill to create missing posters or if you're really good at maybe TikTok, you can create videos or really any social media. You can take a missing post from Facebook and put it on other social media that you're good at Um, also if you have any other skill at all you can use that to help us with finding Andrea and we brainstorm new ideas on on how to raise awareness we also will write people asking them to feature Andrea Knable if you search Erin Knable on Facebook Twitter TikTok Instagram Reddit Discord Snapchat I use all of those right now to raise awareness for Andrea. So you can follow me on on all of them, share missing posters. Also, if you wanted to suggest any other social media to me, please send me a message on any of those. If you would like to buy a t-shirt that has Andrea's missing poster on it, you can go to bonfire.com and type in Andrea Knable. That's a very effective way to raise awareness. Also, we have a GoFundMe. If you Google search 
GoFundMe, Andrea Canable. You can find the GoFundMe, and if you wish, you can donate it or you can share it. We want to thank Aaron and Mike Canable for trusting us to cover Andrea's case and share it with you all. Aaron and Mike have been extremely kind, responsive, and open with us about some of the darkest days in their life. Andrea Canable is now 40 years old. She is 5'7", 190 pounds, with brown natural hair and blonde highlights. Her eyes are hazel green, and she has no tattoos. She has a giant smile, big, gorgeous eyes, and is known to light up a room with her personality. Andrea Michelle Canable spent years searching for missing individuals, opening her home and heart and resources to complete strangers. Someone knows something, and all of her family wants are just answers. If you know anything, please call 502-574-7120 or 502-618-9337. Links are going to be placed in our episode description to join any of these Facebook groups. Just like Andrea fought for her cases. We will continue to stand beside the Canables as they fight for Andrea. We are now going to let Aaron close out this episode. If you guys have any questions, please feel free to contact us and we will put you in communication with Aaron and Mike. Also, please join all of these Facebook pages and share anything that you can find about Andrea's case. All we want is for Andrea to come home and just have justice. Andrea Canable is not only a very smart person but also very caring she used her talents to help everyone around her including me please help us find andrea canable she's a mother a sister a daughter and if you or anyone else went missing she would help look for you